Time keeps on leaving and we keep on moving. When do we pass on our wisdom to the youth? My veteran story lost our discussions. Fireside chats with the bourbon or two. It's time to hear the story by military veterans. Get yourself ready. It's the Lost Arts Podcast. The Lost Arts with Andrew Cox. Hello, hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Lost Art Podcast. That podcast has given a voice to our veterans. On today's episode, we bring back Marine veteran, Master Gunner Sergeant Retired Joe Davila on the program and to discuss his veteran story. But before we get into my veteran story segment, are you enjoying the podcast? Then consider being a TLA patron. That's the Lost Arts patron. It is with donations that we are able to continue recording these podcasts and getting our veteran communities' voices out for all to hear. Just go to the Lost Art website and click on the Become a Patron link. Any donations is appreciated. And if you would like to be a guest and tell your veteran story, then email me at thelostartwithandrewcox at gmail.com. Again, that's thelostartwithandrewcox at gmail.com. Hey, Joe. Welcome back. How you doing? Awesome. 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 So we, we left off. Uh, you had gone to Okinawa, uh, 3rd Marine Division. Um, and you, uh, after that, uh, or if, if there's anything else you want to talk about there, you can, but, uh, where did you go end up going after third Marine division? Yeah. So, uh, while I was at third Mar div, uh, you know, I had been through right before I went to Okinawa, I went to the mass Sergeant symposium and, uh, Sergeant major Carlton Kent, uh, Sergeant uh-huh. major Marine Corps at the time, uh, he had come through and he'd started talking to us about this program, the congressional fellowship program. And, uh, you know, I, I was really interested in that. So I you know, like politics. I like policy. Uh, you know, I like debating, uh, you know, that type of stuff. So, uh, you know, it was something that perked my interest. Uh, and, you know, it kind of planted a seed that probably about four years later I started really trying to execute on. Uh, so when I was leaving Okinawa, I put in for the Congressional Fellowship. And, you know, first time didn't work out for me. I didn't get selected. Um, I didn't get an interview, <laughs> nothing, right? So, you know, it was kind of a, a sting. Uh, you know, I was a mass art, uh, at the time and, you know, I was approaching 20 years and, you know, my wife and I had been discussing, you know, whether we should stick around past 20 or get out. Right. Um, so uh, at that point, I was like, you know, let's go to Quantico. There's a lot of probably, you know, jobs for me on the outside if I did decide to retire there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I went to Marine Corps Intelligence Activity there. Uh, and it was a great tour. Uh, you know, getting awesome leaders at the unit. Uh, I was there for about a year. I was in their analytic tradecraft uh, section. I got to travel uh, and, and meet you know a lot of different people while I was there. Uh, kind of taking uh, analytic tradecraft that had been you know kind of long hard uh, learning through the uh, war in Iraq and Afghanistan, uh-huh. and trying to codify it in doctrine or or you know analytic tradecraft techniques that we could use later on down the road in the future. Right. Um, it was a good time, uh, but uh, probably about you know six or seven months into that. Yeah, you know, I started thinking hard about like, do I stay in or do I get out? You know, should I stay in until I get a look for master guns or, you know, leave? Uh, my wife, uh, she kind of, you know, put some pressure on me. She's like, you know, you applied for it the first time, uh, that fellowship, uh, you didn't get it. 
So mm-hmm. we're just stopping after the first time now. Yeah. So, uh, I was like, you know, uh, that, that's kind of where I made my deal to myself. Like, uh, and, and I tell this to a lot of folks as they're approaching 20, uh, you know, if you feel that sticking around the Marine Corps past 20 is for you, uh, do something or find something in a message or something, you know, that, that you would do, uh, would, that you would go past 24. Uh, for, for me, it was the, uh, fellowship program. So I did. I applied, uh, second time around, uh, and I, I got selected for the interview and then I, I beat the interview and I, I wound up getting selected for the program overall. Very and that, cool. you know, kind of took me past, you know, the, the 20 year mark. Uh, I knew I was going to have to reenlist to, to finish that program out. Um, and it was a excellent, you know, it's one of the hidden gems, I think, uh, for enlisted, uh, Marines that are out there. Uh, if you're interested in politics or thinking about working on Capitol Hill or would like to see how the legislative branch works, uh, that is, you know, graduate level, uh, you know, awesome education and programming, uh, for you. So, uh, it was an excellent tour. Wow. And what, what would you say, like, when you're looking at that? Cause I, I'll be honest, I don't know much about that whole political realm up there and stuff like that. So, uh, what was kind of eye opening for you as you were up there, uh, and 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 really also what types of things did you do while you were there yeah so you know the the program's kind of uh you know tiered right so like your first and this is i don't know how they're running it now i think there might be a little bit of a change mm-hmm. uh but i you know we i left uh mcia in october and then from like october to you know the end of december we did training uh so i got to go to george uh george Governor Affairs Institute at George, uh, Georgetown University uh, for a few classes uh, on legislative process and things of that nature. Uh, like literally my second day at, uh, you know, the Pentagon uh, at OLA, they, they bought us in and they're like, hey, we're going to get some classes on, on the mock, right? Uh-huh. Uh, the Marine operating concept at the time. And I thought to myself, well, they're probably going to bring some, you know, planner in that's going to talk to us about the mock. And yeah. you, know, you get seated around this conference table, attention on deck, the commandant walks in. Oh, he's no, like, hey, let me tell you, yeah, let me tell you about my plan. I was like, wow, uh, this escalated quickly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I, I was just down in Quantico and a whole building in the yeah. Pentagon getting, you know, briefed on the mock. Uh, you know, and then he's like, hey, I'm going to have a rep come in and talk about some aviation things. And next thing you know, DC, the deputy commandant for aviation came in. Yeah. Uh, and started talking about, you know, aviation stuff. And it was just a different, you know, world. And I, you know, was, uh, blessed to be exposed to. I never, you know, thought that I would be in, you know, those types of situations and those right. rooms, uh, with, with folks at that level. Uh, but it was, it was amazing. Uh, so, you know, get done with that training and then, you know, we did the Library of Congress. Uh, did some training events for us, and then we got assigned to, uh, you know, our member, or representative we'd be working for for a year. Right. Uh, and I wound up working uh, in uh, the member office of a, uh, he was assigned to House Armed Service Committee, uh, and that was a great, uh, you know, assignment. Uh, it, was, it was new to me uh, because I wound up being the old guy in the office. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, when I walked in the office, I think the only person who was my age there might have been the chief of staff and, and the member himself. Oh, uh, everybody really? <laughs> else was, you know, you know, 20s, uh, you know, young, young folks. Uh, and, and I don't say that disparagingly either. They were probably motivated in a way I hadn't seen up to that point. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you're in the military, uh, you know, you're around other folks in the military and you just get really used to seeing passionate people about military service, about their jobs, about the things they do. Yeah. I had never seen a young person passionate about education. <laughs> I had never seen a young person like passionate on veins and spit passionate about like industry yeah. right, or the economy. 
until I went to that office and I saw people doing battle in, in those realms, right? Like uh-huh. education policy, uh, you know, industry policy, things of that nature. And I was like, you know, they're, they're, and again, this is nothing, you know, uh, you know, the military is, is amazing, right? And I, I'm part of that, but seeing young people that motivated about those things, it made you just really sit back and say to yourself, like, this is why we protect our country. Yeah. Uh, this is yeah, freedom. Yeah. There are people who are really, you know, you know, it, I, we're a hard outer shell to a really gooey mill. Uh, and from time to time, you know, we strife, we fight with each other. Uh-huh. Uh, but at the end of the day, it, that military is a hard outer shell, but there's a lot of amazing stuff going on inside that I got to see. Um, the other just surreal thing about working on Capitol Hill is that I got a badge uh, for the Capitol and I could kind of do, I could go anywhere I wanted to in that building with that badge. Right. Oh, wow. uh, so, uh, you know, folks uh, would, you know, the tourists would come, they'd go through and, and see things, but I was able to like in the evening times walk through statuary hall. Wow. Uh, I was able to, you know, go and, you know, to the rotunda, right. And look uh-huh. up and actually take my time and see our history, America, right. Wow. Uh, you know, cool. I go to statuary hall and, and, you know, on one end you see Jefferson Davis and on the other end you see Rosa Parks looking down her nose right across at him. Right. Yeah. And you just see, you know, our history for our country come alive in that way. Uh, it, it is an amazing uh, experience. So that was fun. Um, wow. Out of all the things I was able to do on Capitol Hill, I would tell you that the thing that meant the most to me, and I got to meet a lot of cool people. I got to do a lot of cool things. I, I you know, flew around, but uh, there was one, uh, you know, guy, it was a, I handled a lot of constituent, uh, constituent issues. Mm-hmm. And we got a phone call. Uh, he came in the office, a retired colonel, and he's like, hey, you know, uh, Vietnam vet. And he's like, hey, when I was a lieutenant in Vietnam, my doc, uh, he did something amazing, and all he got was, you know, a low, low level, like, you know, award for it. And I wanted, I wanted to get upgraded. I thought that I wrote him for a silver star, but he never got that silver star. And I want to correct this. And, uh, you know, Wow. You know, when you're working in that environment, you know, there's a lot of things that you could do. There's a lot of things that you don't really. Use. But I, I saw that. And I was like, I could get this done in a year. Yeah. And I kind of kind of you know pushed myself. And I was like, I'm going to do this. Right. This is going to be something that I can, you know, going to be happy with, you know, at the end of this year. Right. So it took me probably about five or six months of going back and forth with individuals. Uh, but, you know, the uh, so long story short, this guy is out messing around near some some uh you know tunnels and stuff and wound up being a precursor to an ambush he got shot and blown up and his doc darts out from the company perimeter uh and you know jumps on top of him starts you know treating him uh at the same time as there's an ambush kind of flowing over the top of them into the company perimeter right Uh, so he's, he's shooting back he's like you know doing all this stuff uh they finally get the guy back and uh you know that that was it. So he, he wound up leaving. Uh, he got an award for it. And, you know, after talking to some folks, we were able to put together another package to see if we could get the thing upgraded. And probably about four months later, you know, the clerk for the office comes to me and he's got a FedEx box and I jiggle it around. I was like, what's what's this? I open it up and, you know, Silver Star falls out uh, with oh, a new wow. citation. And uh, I was like, did it. We did it. <laughs> so wow. I got it back. Yeah, I got the award back out to the colonel, and uh, they were just about to have a reunion, uh, so they were able to award the doc the medal, uh, you know, in front of his family. Uh, the guy he saved was there, uh, so wow. that was you know pretty awesome uh, to see come to fruition. Uh, yeah. So again, 
you know, that was, you know, if I were to think about it, just all the stuff that we were able to do, uh, that was something that I was able to kind of play around with personally and, and kind of get across the finish line. So I'm really happy with that. Wow. That's, a, that's an incredible story. Uh, I mean, that's gotta be rewarding now when you look, you, like you open the package, right? And that silver start falls out. I'm sure you're like, Oh my God, it, wait, it happened. Uh, you know? Yeah. It was like, you know, we're, we're, you know, this is, you know, I use the term a lot. It's escalated quickly. I, yeah. I, I wasn't expecting this to just pop out of, you know, out of a box, but you know, I guess that's the way it's delivered now. Right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We were able to get the award out to, to, to the guy in time and, uh, you know, doc uh, got his medal. Uh, and it was, uh, it's just a trip because I look at, you know, our generation of folks and we, you know, dealing, you know, going through Iraq and Afghanistan mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, and, you know, some of the heroism that we've seen, you know, from our generation of folks and even the younger generation of folks that have been through, you know, all of that, uh, to see, uh, you know, these, these Vietnam guys back in, you know, when I was out in, you know, on the hill, it was like 2016 timeframe. Yeah. Uh, just to see them after so many decades, like, this is wrong. We need to fix it and you need to help me. I'm like, okay, I got you. Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> well, it's good to know that there are people out there that are trying to, to make things right. Uh, and they're bringing it to the, to, to Congress and, and everybody up on the hill and they're trying to say, Hey, these things need to be fixed. Uh, and, you know, it's, this part of America is very important. Um, what type of uh, advice, like if you were going to talk to, uh, let's say, a young service uh, man or woman uh, and and they're looking at possibly doing something like that, what type of advice would you give them? Well, the first thing I'll tell them is apply because, you know, a lot of folks have great intentions and they have ideas that they want to do something, but then they'll wind up talking themselves out of it. And, yeah. you know, it drives me crazy because I see talent, right? You know, you know folks who are like, hey, I thought about doing that. Well, stop thinking about it and do it, right? Like yeah. put the package together. You don't, you know, so no, I'll probably not be able to make it. Well, let a board determine that, right? Mm-hmm. Let, let somebody determine that for you. And I tell folks, uh, you know, you know, street kid from New York, right? Wildly not qualified to do a lot of the things that I've been able to do, but <laughs> right. I've never had this inhibition, you know, about like not applying. I've always like, yeah, well, I'll, I'll have somebody tell me no, right? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I apply uh, for these things. So that's the first thing. A lot of folks were like, oh, how'd you get to go do that? Well, it's an opportunity available to everybody. Uh, just apply. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you apply, you might actually get selected. So uh, that, that's the biggest thing I tell people. The other thing I would say, uh, especially about, you know, working on, uh, you know, the, the uh, on Capitol Hill is it, it, it kind of goes back to some of the other things we've been talking about earlier in the podcast where uh, you got to be flexible. Uh, mm-hmm. I showed up there and again, I was, you know, man, I want to say I was you know, early forties at the time when I was there. Okay. Um, most of the folks in the office, again, passionate, awesome people. I enjoyed working with every one of them. Uh, they were a lot younger than me, and I had to figure out how I could adapt myself to that environment uh, uh-huh. because, you know, no, no, nobody worked for me. In fact, I was a fellow, so they were, you know, I worked for them. Right. Uh, and, you know, showing up to that environment, I, just, <laughs> I came home one night. Uh, it was like two or three days after, you know, starting working there. And, you know, you, Folks were talking about TV shows or whatnot, and I was like, I looked at my wife and I was like, you know, what are we watching tonight? And we we're trying to figure out what to watch. And I was like, you know, why don't you put on, you know, The Bachelorette? I think that was it, right? And right. she looked at me. It's like, you want to watch The Bachelorette? And I was like, I don't really want to watch The Bachelorette, but I have a good feeling 
that the folks in the office are probably going to be talking about this tomorrow. So <laughs> at least I'll have something to talk about. Right. And, you know, so I watched it, right. Uh, go in the office the next day and, you know, you know, definitely uh, like, like I predicted, like one of the, one of the folks in the office, like, did you see who got a rose last night? I was like, yeah, it's crazy. Why don't you give a rose to him? And, uh, <laughs> you know, and everybody's like, Joe, you watched the bachelorette. I'm like I sure do. <laughs> uh, making but, uh, connections. You know, Yes. Yeah, but funny enough, though, like uh, yeah, as I, you know, as the year rounded out there, that, that office, they were kind of like a family to me. Uh, you know, it was great. Uh, you know, I I still get calls from a couple of them. One of them's getting ready to get married here soon, invite them to the wedding. Uh, one of them came down my retirement ceremony. Uh, and it, it's just uh, amazing to see how folks, you know, this is 2016. So 2024, you know, have folks careers progressed uh, to the point where they are now. It's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. And now when you were up there, you say you're saying a year. So you spent a year with that office. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, there's a year in the office and then there's a two year like kind of payback assignment that you have to do. Uh, and, you know, right around the man, I want to say it was like September time frame. I was like, I've got a payback assignment that I've got to do. Uh, where am I going to do it? And I had reached out to a friend of mine at Defense Intel Agency and uh, they gave me the opportunity to go work over there for my follow-on assignment. And I was the uh, House and Senate Armed Service Committee liaison for DIA uh, for about another year and some change, uh, you know, in, in the Beltway. So uh, I was able to see both sides. I was able to see kind of the legislative branch side of things. And then I was able to do the government affairs side where uh, we were interaction, interacting on behalf of the agency with, with Congress, uh, which was also a really cool experience. Wow. That's really neat. Um, and it, I'm now, were you briefing things? Were you anything like that? Or you just help and prep and, and, uh, moving things around for them type of deal? Yeah. So yeah, I, I kind of call it, uh, you know, the best party planner on the face of the earth, right? I was definitely <laughs> not the, uh, subject matter expert for a lot of the things that, you know, we were coordinating, but, uh, you know, for the most part, if the Hill had a information request on something, I would help coordinate it through the agency SMEs. Uh, and then vice versa. If we had something we had to tell the Hill, I would coordinate that through the SMEs uh, okay. and the director uh, back through, uh, you know, the thing. I got to do a couple of hearings, uh, prep uh, folks for those hearings. Uh, one of the things I tell uh, PFCs when I was uh, back at Danek is I would uh, you know, show a picture of me sitting behind agency director um, at, a, at a hearing and you know, I tell them all, all these things and they're like, wow, you did a lot. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, I'm not telling you that for my sake. I'm telling it for yours. Cause when I was a PFC sitting in this classroom, I had no idea, you know, fast forward 20 years, two decades, I would be like riding in a, you know, convoy heading to Capitol Hill with an agency director as they're about to brief, you know, a posture statement, right? Like I right. had no clue that that was in my future. I couldn't even string together a paragraph if you asked that lieutenant back at 10th Marines. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I, I tell folks that, you know, it's, there's definitely a, a learning curve. And if you stick around, you know, the Marine Corps long enough, you're going to have opportunities that you never even saw coming, you know, come your way. Uh, so it's been a great, you know, it was definitely a great career. But yeah, that was, it was awesome time. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So, uh, all right. So you did your time there and then, uh, where did you go after that? I uh, went to, uh, so right around the time I was, I was finishing up there. Uh, you know, we, you know, my wife and I were looking at like, okay, what's next, right? Do, do we stay or stick around? Do we get out? And, uh, there was an opportunity that had been getting cultivated by some of the senior enlisted leaders at, uh, DIA to, uh, look at putting a senior enlisted Marine at the Indo-PACOM J2 
oh, wow. uh, which is a two-star uh, billet uh-huh. uh, there. Um, and they didn't have a senior enlisted advisor there. So I threw my hat in the ring for that. I was brand new uh, master guns uh, okay. at the time. Uh, and I, I threw my hat in the ring for that. And you know, I interviewed with uh, general at the time and I got selected uh, and, you know, came home <laughs> from work that day uh, with, uh, you know, kind of some luau gear uh, for the kids just to let them know we were moving again. <laughs> right. And uh, yeah, a couple of a couple of months later, we wound up in uh, in Oahu. Uh, so that was a quick turnaround too. I got selected for that in November, and we were you know wheels up uh, to go to Hawaii probably by January. I forget exactly when in January it was, but I do. Do you remember the uh, the uh, False missile alert that happened on Hawaii. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So I was in an airplane at about 30,000 feet that day. I don't remember exactly what day it was, but I do remember that I got a text, modern marvels and connectivity, right, on, on the airplane. Wow. <laughs> uh, there was a news alert that came. I was like, hey, Oahu's about to get bombed or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, my wife and I looked at each other as we're heading to Oahu. And I was like, I don't know. This plane didn't skip a beat. And I was like, well, I guess, you know, <laughs> we're going to land someplace. Right? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, one of being obviously, thank God, a false uh, missile alert. But uh, yeah. that, that was my introduction to the Pacific Theater. Uh, oh, it was you know, pretty, uh, pretty cool time to be out there. You know, I think they were they were just knew that you were coming and they were like, he's like <laughs> a missile. Right. So they, <laughs> they just decided to go ahead and throw it out there. <laughs> so uh, how was your time in Hawaii? It was a great time. Uh, you know, I, I, I feel bad saying this because you've asked me that multiple times. I have not had a bad tour. I can't <laughs> say I have. Uh, I, I mean, there's been challenges here or there, but usually the people are what gets you through things. Uh, you know, Hawaii was a, uh, the, the tour itself was a bit of a challenge uh, because uh, it was kind of in a billet that we were still trying to figure out what where we were going to go with it. Uh, right. We were able to get it solidified, build a description put to it, uh, and then, you know, probably about – year after I left it actually got solidified as a permanent, you know, Marine Corps uh, master gunny piece of structure in the joint force. So that was really, wow. you know, that pumped me up. I was happy to see that. And there's probably been about three or four uh, folks after me that have sat in that seat now. So it was a great yeah. time. Uh, but I couldn't think of a better time to be in the Pacific theater uh, doing the job that I was doing. Uh, you know, there was a lot of different adversaries floating around out there. Uh, you know, we went from a false missile alert that we thought North Korea had launched you know, as I'm on a plane, you know, heading out there uh, uh-huh. to great power competition, you know, as I was leaving, uh, you know, and all the things associated with that. With that. Uh, so uh, it was, it was a, you know, excellent, you know, time to be in the Pacific Theater. The people I worked with, um, I, I would say the the Joint Force uh, is an amazing organization, right? Just being a part of a Joint Force. And, you know, a lot of times as Marines, we are, you know, and, and rightly so, we're very proud to be Marines, right? Uh-huh. But being a senior enlisted leader in a joint organization, uh, I got to take part in a lot of different traditions that I didn't necessarily know about or, you know, really were not cognizant of, you know, up until the point of getting there. Uh, watching airmen, you know, sing their, the, the, the Air Force song, right? Uh-huh. Like we sing in Marine Sam, seeing, you know, soldiers getting promoted and some of the things associated with that. Seeing, you know, chiefs go through chief in dock and, and the things right. that are associated with that. Uh, we definitely are part of a great uh, Department of Defense and a great armed force. And, you know, really, you know, if where, where I my my uh, appreciation for our country and just the way our founding fathers set up our government was amplified when I was on Capitol Hill. 
I think my time with the joint force really solidified, you know, how we fight, you know, the, the, the just the different services, what everybody brings to the fight. Uh, it, was, it was an amazing time to be out there. Yeah, very cool. And uh, what advice do you have for uh, Marines going into that joint, joint environment? Uh, you know, drop the ego. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you know, we're, we're Marines. And I think that a lot of times that can overpower, <laughs> yes, as we work, 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 walk into the joint force, the joint force loves its Marines. Uh, yeah. I, you know, had PFC showing up working alongside, you know, senior, you know, government, you know, folks, senior civilians, yeah. uh, working alongside other service members. Uh, but, you know, coming into it, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, we definitely have an ego associated with us and, uh, you know, if we can take that and, uh, you know, some, some parts of it, I think it's not really fair, you know, just yeah. the, the assumption is that we're Marines and we're going to show up with an ego. Mm-hmm. I ask people to dispel that when they show up, right? Like, <laughs> you know, just be, you show you're awesome by how you work and how you get the job and the mission accomplished. And right. you will never have to say, I'm a Marine. <laughs> yeah, very true. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's good advice. Uh, dropping that ego. Uh, I know a lot of Marines have a have a problem doing that, but uh, some not not so much. So it just kind of <laughs> depends on that. All right. So uh, let's see how long you were three years out in Hawaii. Yes. Three years. All right. And did you do anything uh, on your off time out there? I mean, I heard I've not been stationed out there, but I've heard you know, there's a lot of surfing, uh, those types of things. Did you get out there and on your surfboard and have a good time? So it's it's really hard for me uh, because a lot of times I'll I'll use my I'm an inner city kid right excuse uh-huh. uh, but I haven't been an inner city kid probably for about 27 years now right so uh, but the reality is like me and water don't get along right? yeah 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 <laughs> so uh, my wife is great she was out there boogie boarding the kids got out there they loved being in in the water you know my wife went out and learned how to sail right like oh, nice. all that stuff. Uh, my hobby, uh, is, uh, definitely reading books and like, I enjoy doing that sitting on the beach with a Mai Tai. Uh, yeah. So that was a good time for me. That was a wild night for Joe. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, other people, I'm sure they had other really extravagant hobbies, but, uh, the weather was amazing. Uh, we did a lot of hiking. Uh, yeah. we did a lot of, uh, you know, waterfall searches, uh, a lot of, you know, mountain views and things of that nature. So it was a great time. <laughs> uh, the thing that kind of hampered it for us at the end was COVID. Uh, so, you oh, know, COVID yeah. started kicking off my last year there. Uh, we had tried to make a habit to get out, onto every island in, in the chain, you know, out there. We, we've been to you know, a couple of different islands while we were there, yeah. uh, but we were not able to get out uh, on our, our vacation the last time just because of COVID. Uh, and that also constricted a lot of the, the trips that I was supposed to go on as well uh, yeah. for just business and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It, COVID messed everything up. I'm telling you. It did. It did. Yeah. We screwed a lot of things up. <laughs> <laughs> I think with some some things are probably still recovering from it, to be honest with you. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it, it was definitely uh, one of those crazy times. I was at Pendleton and uh, I was getting ready because I had to drive down to uh, Miramar because I just got transferred down there. That was right when COVID was hitting. So I was living on Pendleton, driving down. And, uh, I just remember because everybody's like, oh, traffic's going to be horrible and all this other stuff. And, uh, COVID hits and my traffic was pretty much nothing. There was no one on the road, uh, which was fantastic. Um, but still the drive kind of sucked just because it was so far away, but it was pretty cool. Nobody on the road. I guess that's a positive thing from, uh, <laughs> COVID. Yeah, it sure is. <laughs> 
So, you know, I, I would say this, like I'm an introvert, right? Uh-huh. I'm a fourth extrovert because sometimes I have to do, you know, as a senior officer, I had to get out and do speak engagements and things of that nature. But right. uh, my natural operating environment is usually in my home, you know, with a book, uh, you know, glass of scotch. Or, you know, just, you know, that that's relaxing to me. Uh, so COVID, you know, when people would say, oh, we've got to stay home, like, oh, darn. <laughs> you you tell me I don't have to interact with people today. <laughs> like, I can stay at home and decompress and, you know, just chill. Like, all right, I can do this. Like, it was a great excuse <laughs> just to be my normal self. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Hey, speaking of, like, the introvert versus extrovert type of thing, um, and you're saying you're an introverted individual, so I what type of advice would you have for people? Because sometimes the Marine Corps uh, introverted individuals have a rough go um, because they're not as um, outgoing as as a lot of the other Marines. And some Marines are, you know, obviously very outgoing, extroverted, and they just kind of they they thrive a lot of times in the Marine Corps environment. Uh, what advice would you have for the introverts? I mean, you obviously have done very well for yourself throughout your career. Yeah, um, I definitely, you know, if you're an NCO or a young Marine and you're introverted, you don't like public speaking, you don't like doing stuff like that, I empathize with you. I don't like doing any of that stuff. This is even a, a stretch for me right now, <laughs> <laughs> right? But I would say this, like, uh, you know, the way to break out of that is, uh, and I, I go on a B-billet, right? Drill yeah. uh, instructor duty, recruiting duty. You're forcing yourself into an uncomfortable situation, but it's a controlled uncomfortable situation where you're actually bought up and mentored on how to do those jobs. And as you're right. being bought up and mentored, you know, those things, things that make you nervous ultimately will start going away. So if you had asked me at the beginning of my career as a young, you know, PFC, if I wanted to get up in front of 88 people and teach inspection <laughs> arms, I would have told you no, like, no, I never <laughs> right. want to do that. Right. Why would I want to march a platoon and sing song Kate's? Like never would I ever want to do that. Right. Yeah. Uh, but you know, after about two years, three years doing that and doing it well, uh, you start developing a muscle that you, you, you know, you might not like to flex, but you have it. Um, right. and you know, as you go throughout your career, you know, it, it just, it's the gift that keeps on giving later on in your career. Right. Um, so again, while my natural state might not be public speaking, uh, I can do it. But then, you know, like most introverts, I need to go find myself a, a hole to go climb in and <laughs> decompress by myself and relax. And, you know, right. just, uh, but it just is it is what it is. But that's the best advice I would give somebody who's kind of going through that. For, find things that force you in a comfortable environment to work that muscle, exercise that muscle. And eventually it'll become really strong. And when you need to use it, it'll be there. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 That's great advice. Great advice. I know, like I talked to a lot of Marines and, and, and they're like, oh, I just, I don't feel comfortable doing it. And, that, and I do the same thing. Like, Hey, just throw yourself out there. I mean, you're in a controlled environment. It's nothing's really going to go wrong here. So just try. And, uh, they usually eventually they get used to it or whatever. I guess not everybody does, but for the most part, I would say. <laughs> Um, let's yeah. see. Just because it's not comfortable doesn't mean you can't do it well, right? That's like, true. You, you, and, you know, I think, you know, as I've grown up, you know, public speaking, it's always been like that. You know, if you get up in public speaking, you don't have the, the, the butterflies in your stomach. I got to ask, like, are you doing it right? You know, like, <laughs> are you, are, is, it, is it like, is it something that's important to you? Because if you're nervous, that's a good thing, right? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I'm a you know grown person here, uh, probably at the height of my career uh, towards the end. 
uh, you know, every time I had to get up and talk, I still had that moment of like, yeah. oh, okay, I'm a little nervous now. And being nervous is good. It shows your life, but it also mm-hmm. shows you care. Because if you didn't care, you wouldn't be nervous. <laughs> well, that's a good point. Yeah, very true. Yeah. And I, would, I would say, like, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a musician, so uh, even today, uh, for me, getting in front of somebody and playing a musical instrument, uh, incredibly nerve-wracking. Like, that yeah. to me, and, and I've been doing it for years and years and years. Uh, but still, you know, it's just nerve wracking. I, I don't know if anybody ever gets in front of people and plays that isn't nervous. I, I mean, good, good for them. I, I've never got there. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> but. All right. So, uh, after Hawaii, what was your next adventure? Yeah. So, uh, would be where I came to retire. Uh, so damn that. Okay. Uh, you know, when I was here as an instructor the last time, uh, you know, there was senior leaders here. There was a lot of different folks. And, you know, I, I was always told myself that I thought the most important job in the Marine Corps intel field was the instructor or was the senior enlisted at Damneck. Yeah. Uh, just because the amount of people you get to, you know, be around, the amount of effect you could have on the community uh, if you're engaged and the amount of effect you could have on people. So. Uh, coming uh, back to Damneck uh, was was a great bookend uh, to an awesome career, um, and it was a chance for me to kind of you know talk to these young Marines about some of the stuff that I was able to do. Uh-huh. Again, you know, when I was you know open contract <laughs> as a as a 17 year old recruit, right, and the only thing I thought about was you know just getting into the Marine Corps. Uh, I I never would have thought that you know I'd be rolling around in. Uh, Nepal with the Indo-Pacific Command J2 at a conference, right? Like I never thought that that would be a thing uh, for me. So I used to really like to tell my story to the Marines uh, to kind of give them an idea of what being a, a, a Marine is, is about, especially within the, the community that, that they were about to be part of. Right. Uh, so, you know, I, I really enjoyed doing that. And that's what brought me back here. Uh, that and you know I love Hampton Roads. It's a beautiful area here. Uh, mm-hmm. My family, my son's in high school, so uh, this was the place we wanted to get them through high school and and kind of settle down. Right. Um, and then as a senior enlisted here at the uh, at your schoolhouse, what what were some things uh, that uh, one challenging uh, and then uh, two just some some positive things that uh, you saw happen while you were there. Uh you know, the the challenging aspect, I would say, is this generation of folks. And I don't think this generation of folks is a challenge. I think it's how we as senior uh, leaders adapt this generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen, you know, just like you, I've seen like four different generations come through. I've seen my own. Uh, I've seen, you know, the Iraq War 2001 generation, you know, yeah. through recruit training. Uh, I've seen the 2007, 2008 generation come through Intel School. Uh, and then, you know, now this generation and this generation reminds me a lot of mine. I was a 90s kid. Uh-huh. Uh, I went to high school in the 90s and I, I look at a lot of these young folks coming through and they're looking for the same thing I did back in the 90s. Uh, there's no war that's going on right yeah. now that we're actively like in. Uh, a lot of them are looking for a trade, uh, something to be a part of, something to believe in. Uh, GI Bill. Right. Uh, so I really like this generation that that's in because I know just like my generation. Right. Uh, you Gen Xers. Uh, the next time we have a war, you know, you guys are going to be the downfall of us. Like, well, little that's did right. Know yeah. that, you know, 9-11 was right around the corner. And I think this generation is being recruited for a mission, right, and a purpose. This is uh-huh. like a uh, cyber generation. This is a space generation. This is everything, you know, information that my generation is not. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, so 
uh, as I look at these these cats and dogs coming through, I was like, you know, this is great. This is the next generation of Marines. Uh, so uh, although I call it a challenge, I don't think it's a challenge. I think it's also the best thing that we've got going on. So you asked me a positive or negative. I would say they're both the same. Yeah, uh, oh, that's the, good. The, you know, it's how we're adapting uh, to this new generation that I think we really, as senior enlisted, uh, have to check ourselves on, uh, especially in the environment. You know, the drivers for them are, I think they were the drivers for my generation, right? And how we articulate that uh, is going to be, you know, the, the biggest thing for them. Uh, I also really liked and enjoyed uh, talking to individual Marines on, on a personal basis, right? Uh, yeah. I was probably more engaged than most. Uh, you know, was, you know, I'd walk the halls, you know, slowly listen to people talk, not afraid to have a conversation with the PFC. Uh, and I think that we as senior leaders, uh, if we want to retain and recruit, uh, we have to be personable with folks and tell them how we got to where we are so that they can figure out how to chart a course for themselves. Uh, which is, uh, you know, as your, your podcast is, I guess I'll start in some yeah. cases. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I, I would, uh, really, you know, beg, uh, you know, our generation of senior leaders to figure out how to do that for their ranks. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, and you know, you, you bring up the lost arts and, and I would say that, uh, a lot of times we'd have issues, uh, or I, I know I have, I have a hard time relating kind of to that newer generation uh and maybe not relating to i don't know if that's but how do i have that conversation with the the newer generation because the way i speak uh and the way i do things obviously shaped it through the marine corps right and it's changed over the years man that is really difficult sometimes to really have those conversations with those young marines um, you know, obviously still need to do it, uh, but it's just hard to relate. They, they, the whole technology thing, they'll talk about all kinds of crazy stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I got nothing. I, I it's yeah. beyond me. I've, I've got nothing. I'm surprised I'm able to do what I'm doing right now with this podcast. I'll be honest. With you. <laughs> I, I give you an example of just, and it's not even this generation. This is like the 2000, 2008 generation, right? You know, excuse me, 2007, 2008 generation. Uh, when I came uh, to the schoolhouse, uh, there's a lot of, you know, young Marines getting in trouble and, and stuff. And, you know, I kind of was trying to figure out what was going on. And, um, you know, the Marines had uh, TVs in their rooms, but they weren't allowed to have cable. And some of the Marines right. had cell phones, but they, you know, were kind of unrestricted study hours where they couldn't use their phones. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of was, was kind of, you know, boggling my mind. You know, these are grown people. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, I mean, they're, they're 17, 18, 19 year old. And we're telling them that they're going to have a gun and defend our country. Uh, but, you know. <laughs> They can't have cable TV in their room. Like, you know, yeah. so, uh, you know, and I, I look back at my generation, like, what did I do when I woke up in the morning at Dan Neck? Well, you know, I'd get up, you know, I lived in a squad bay. We'd make our racks. I'd yeah. go to the chow hall and then we'd go sit in the little communal, uh, you know, lounge, right. Mm -hmm. And watch the big screen TV. MTV was on, right. You know, yeah. Dan, Nirvana, whatever. Right. And, you know, that was my generation. So if you took that big screen TV away from me and then restricted the use of the pay phones in the barracks, like, what would I do? I'd probably get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, very true. Very <laughs> it goes through crazy. <laughs> uh, so, 
you know, I think, uh, you know, when I took over, I was like, hey, look, I want to let them have cable TV and, you know, this Internet thing. Right. Yeah. Let them you know, have their computers and stuff. And, you know, they were able to get their stuff back. And, you know, my NJP rates went down, and, you know, 6105 rates went down. And that was important to me because I don't like sending folks out, you know, mm-hmm. you know in, in their careers with, you know, stuff like from Schoolhouse that I think we could have prevented. But I, I would use that as an example for this generation as well. Like there's a thing. Right. I don't know what it is. Uh, yeah. for, for me, I was able to figure it out. I, I think uh, a lot of it was just this generation, their social beings uh, and their information beings. And, you know, the the being able to answer the Simon Sinek, you know, start with why mm-hmm. uh, for this generation, I think, is is kind of the nexus of things. Right. So, yeah, that's a good uh, you know, I, I really would hone in on that with folks like, you know, why? Uh, are we doing X, Y, and Z? And I found that if you tell people why enough when you can, uh, in that point where you really need to pivot quickly, you know, if you've invested in them the ability to talk to them like adults and tell them why, that when you need to kind of execute quickly, they'll trust you, right? Uh-huh. They're and trust, right? Yeah. Uh, so, and, and then you'll be able to move. So, uh, I, I don't know. That was uh, that was kind of like my approach to things. Uh, yeah. You know, it worked for some and didn't work for others, but, you know, <laughs> I, I've, I've enjoyed my, my time. I enjoyed my time working, you know, with the Marines. Uh, and, and really it was the way I wanted to end my career was being around, you know, the folks that kind of motivate me, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, to yeah, kind of continue on with my career. Yeah. So, um, I, I, I just got to say there, there's one thing that, that I've kind of honed in on with you throughout our conversations here. And, uh, that boils down to you had no bad duty stations, right? And, uh, and, I guess I want to ask, like, from your standpoint, like, why is it you think you had no bad duty stations? Is that a frame of mind that you have or was it luck of the draw just where you were at? What do you think? Oh, I mean, okay, so no bad duty stations. Uh, I think it's a frame of mind because there's definitely been experiences that were unpleasant. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. There's definitely been unpleasant experiences. Right. Uh, But at at the end of the day, uh, I think. You know, for those people who are having experiences, right? Mm-hmm. Usually those experiences don't relate to the Marine Corps at large. They relate to leaders, individuals, right? Maybe some people mm-hmm. that might be in the path that are just not like, you're not clicking, right? Right. But there are a lot of other people to click with. So mm-hmm. click with them. Uh, you know, <laughs> being miserable yeah. is a state of mind, right? Don't, don't just sit there and, and fester, right? There are ways to, uh, you know, move beyond it. I, I think for me, uh, and it's something I tell a lot of the young folks that, that you know, might be struggling, especially, uh, you know, I would tell them three F's, right? Friends, family, faith. Uh, uh, I've yeah. had some of the best friends I've had in the Marine Corps, right? Uh, I've had, you know, my family has been 100% supportive of me, uh, you know, and, you know, the faith aspect of things is probably the biggest one because that's where a lot of us derive hope, right? And right. if you're going through a hard time, uh, you usually rely on that hope that the next day is going to be better. Uh, for some of us, they might find that in a faith group. Uh, I did, right? Some folks might find that on the long run. Some uh-huh. folks might find that doing yoga. Whatever it is that makes you come to peace with yourself and have a brighter day the next day, do that. Yeah, and absolutely. you know, you, you also will not have a bad duty station. <laughs> you might have crappy experiences here and there, but you're not going to have a bad duty station. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Uh, it, I, it does boil down to relationships, in my opinion. Like. You look across the board, you can and and state of mind, right? You can you can go into a place and say this is going to be horrible or you can go into a place, and say this is going to like I'm, it is what it is, but I'm going to make it the best. And then you look left, look right at the people around you and you make connections. And right. 
and that to me is what makes it. You're you're right. And some of the places that I've been to that I thought, well, I I would say some of the pieces that I've been to that people have told me were going to be miserable, horrible places to go. Right. Right. Uh, They actually want to be in some of the best duty stations that I've had. Yeah. Uh, So I would include my first one in that, uh, you know, for intelligence. Uh, you know, going to an artillery unit is not necessarily, you know, the creme de la creme of intelligence. Right. But <laughs> I learned how to run a staff. I learned how to work amongst very senior people. I learned how to run my own office. Mm-hmm. I learned how to administrate things to the point where that experience, where a lot of folks are trying to get on use and things of that nature coming out of the schoolhouse, that one experience helped kind of propel me uh, into other chief billets that I've had, you know, all the ways up through master guns. Yeah. Uh, so I wouldn't trade that for a world. Was it the place that I, was Kent was you in North Carolina, the place I would have wanted to spend my first day? Nah, I don't know, but, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't have it any other way now. Uh, yeah. I say. And, you know, if I were to, you know, again, no bad duty stations, uh, some, some experiences, maybe not so pleasant, but I have no regrets would probably be the other, you know, aspect of that. There's nothing yeah. that I look back on and say, gee, I wish I would have did X, Y, or Z. It's never really kind of flashed to me like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, very, very good way of looking at things. And, and that's something that I think everybody could grab a hold of from this and, and, you know, start looking at what they're doing and, and try to make themselves have no bad duty stations, right? Um, one, one thing I do want to talk to you about, cause I, if I'm not mistaken, you joined the VFW recently. Is that correct? I did. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, um, I wanted to talk it cause now we're, we're beyond, the Marine Corps career, because that's, you know, you retired out of uh, damn neck here. Uh, you're moving into another another career outside of the military, kind of. And uh, we're talking about community, right? The, the people around us, those t- those types of things. So the VFW Marine Corps League, you have all these different organizations that uh, that you can become a part of. And I think a lot of veterans uh, once they get out and they move, like maybe not, we're concentrated here, right? A lot of military in this area, but you move somewhere like back to where I'm from in Oklahoma and not as, not near as many, uh, veterans. Yeah. Uh, so how important are those, those organizations? So, uh, I think, or, so I, I've been woefully inadequate in participating in VFW things. Uh, if I'm being completely honest with you, uh, when I was looking to do my VA processes, uh, the VFW, uh, the, the caseworker that handled my claim was a VFW caseworker. Uh-huh. And she actually approached me, uh, cause I had told her that I was looking to use another organization and she kind of gave me a look like, uh, you know, would you like me to take a look at your stuff? And I was like, sure, I appreciate it. It was a uh, TRS, uh, transition seminar. She had just given yeah. us a class on, you know, VA. Um, and, you know, she came to me worked through all my stuff and she was just so intense and, and motivated about helping vets. Uh, you know, and she was working as a, as a VFW caseworker, you know, mm-hmm. for, for claims. Uh, I, I, out of loyalty to her, I joined the VFW. Uh, I was okay. like, you know, if, if, if VFW is handling my claim and, and this is the type of people that are part of that organization, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. The least I could do is pay my dues. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, I've done that. I, I have to go to some meetings. Uh, but I'll, I'll tell you like the, um, the community aspect of things, just because of the, some of the jobs that I've had since retiring, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've been around Marines, I've been around sailors, been around a lot of service members still. Uh, yeah. and it, it still keeps you, you know, ticking and, and motivated, uh, you know, as well. So, uh, community is a big deal. Uh, 
I would, would also say um, if, if there was any piece of advice I'd give somebody who's getting out, uh-huh. um, it kind of relates back to promotions, right? Sometimes when I'd see folks getting ready to go on promotion boards, uh, they do really weird stuff. Like now they're cramming for some massive test, right? Like oh, I've got to <laughs> run faster. I got to do more pull-ups now because the board is this year. Right. Or yeah. like, I, I've got to go to swim call, even though I haven't done swim call in like 13 years, I'm going to go do it right <laughs> now. Cause you know, that could be the main differentiator between me and somebody else. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I see people approaching retirement the same way. Like I've got to cram right now. Yeah. Well, it's my retirement's not going to be good. So the biggest piece of advice, you got to start preparing for retirement. Uh, I, I tell people like when you hit the 10 year mark and you realize you're going to 20, uh-huh. Start preparing for retirement, right? Yeah. If you're getting out, uh, you know, I don't care if it's a trade or, or a four year degree or a master's degree. Uh, the people who work hard on doing those things, um, you know, they, they don't have, I, I, I had not had a hard transition, uh, because, you know, I, I feel like I had been preparing for this for a bit. Uh, right. so when I transitioned, I had a plan. And I executed my plan just like I would any other military event. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, right? absolutely. Uh, so, you know, I make a plan. My flash to bank for retirement is I figured out in October I wanted to retire. And then by June, I hung it up. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, out of the military officially in October. So, uh, you know, just figure out what your plan is and then execute your plan. Yeah. Um, and if you've done the right things up to that point, you shouldn't be cramming for a test, right? Like all the things that you've done up to that point is going to translate somewhere. Very true. Yeah. And for, for those young guys, like when I, when I say, or when I think about uh, getting out ready, I'm getting ready to retire too. So, uh, luckily several years back, you know, I started going to medical regularly and making sure that I'm documenting things and stuff like that. Like I wish I would have done it a little earlier, uh, in my career. Uh, but I did not. And I, I am thankful for the stuff that I did get documented because that made things way easier when I went to the, uh, the VA and, and dealing with all that type of stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Hey, what, is there anything else that you want to leave anybody with before we, we go ahead and wrap this up? Uh, but is there, I want to open it up for you to talk about and say whatever it is that you want to say, words of wisdom to give a shout out, whatever the case may be, this is your opportunity. Yeah. Uh, I guess the biggest thing I would tell folks, uh, you know, my last, you know, raw here is say thanks. Um, mm. I have had a lot of tremendous people in my career. And when I, uh, it, it, it's almost like, uh, you know, walking into a museum, like a, like a, you know, the national hall of, of, uh, you know, uh, portrait gallery, right? Yeah. And if you walk into the national portrait gallery, there's just paintings of all these giants throughout, you know, our history, right? Mm-hmm. Along the walls and stuff. And I kind of have one of those in my mind of those giants that have kind of been in my career, yeah. uh, you know, just instrumental figures. Uh, there's also like a, a dark, dingy alleyway of, of, of <laughs> people who I don't want to be, right? Uh, that, you know, you got to walk through every once in a while if you're about to make a decision to make sure you're not going to wind up in somebody else's dark, dingy alleyway. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, for the most part, uh, yeah, I spent my time in that, that massive hallway full of folks. And, uh, you know, as I was approaching retirement, uh, you know, some of them were not even Marines. Uh, some of them were civilians. Some of them people I, you know, had gotten me, you know, out of the, you know, out of high school, uh, uh-huh. think about my earth science teacher, uh, you know, my English teacher, 
uh, you know, they uh, took a liking to me as I was you know, getting ready to leave to go to boot camp. I wasn't doing well in their classes. Uh, you know, my earth science teacher, you know, he, he's like, hey, if you pass the regent test, I'll give you whatever you pass the regent test with <laughs> at the end of the quarter. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, man, OK. So I passed that test. I appreciated him for that Yeah, because uh, it allowed me to graduate high school on time. And I'm saying the same with my English teacher. Uh, he, he knew I was joining the Marine Corps. Um, and he provided me a, a book uh, to do a report on that was uh, about a World War II figure uh, that you know had, had grown up in New York, and, and that also helped motivate me to kind of stay the course. But uh, all of these people that you know come along your way, uh, I would compare it to you know you as a leader or me as a leader, right? Uh-huh. Every once in a while, out of the blue, I'll get a thank you note, right? Yeah. Somebody on hit me up on like instant messenger or like Facebook or something like that. Hey, do you remember me? Uh, I remember everybody. <laughs> right? Do you remember me? Hey, thank you because this, 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 and this. So I uh, have done a, a really in, in my head, especially as I was approaching this year, uh, to reach out to a lot of those folks who are like you know massive figures in my career, and uh, just say, hey, thanks for taking the time to teach me how to drive, right? Yeah, <laughs> thanks yeah, for yeah, taking yeah. the time, uh, you know, to to take me down to uh, you know go enroll in college, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and goofy things like that, right? Uh, but it means a lot. I know it means a lot to me when I see, you know, folks reach out and say thanks. Uh, so yeah. I want to make sure I, I you know, uh, pay that forward by doing the same thing to the folks who've meant a lot to me throughout my career. Absolutely. Fantastic advice. You're, you're full of good advice. I should, uh, I should come to you more often and, and have you on the <laughs> podcast more often. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, um, listen to my advice. What's that? <laughs> My teenagers don't listen to my advice. <laughs> ah, well, you know, it's a different thing when it's dad, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, hey, I want to thank you for coming on. Thanks for uh, uh, walking us through your career. Thanks for giving us words of wisdom. And uh, you've, you've had some great nuggets in here, and I truly appreciate it. Um, we'll have to get you on back on another time uh, just to chit-chat or something. And uh, we'll get you on a fireside chat or something. Awesome. This has been excellent. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and it's been been good. Um, well, hey, thanks. And uh, to everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Um, and with that, stay motivated. Change your socks. <laughs>